This episode is brought to you in part by June's Journey. Picture it, the glamour of the roaring 20s wrapped in a mystery that only you can solve. Dive into June Parker's captivating quest to uncover scandalous family secrets. With your keen eye for detail, find hidden clues and solve mind-boggling puzzles. It's all about observation, intrigue, and drama. But beware, each clue leads deeper into a thrilling storyline filled with danger and romance. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Your adventure awaits. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Don't waste time on apps that don't work. Babbel's conversation-based teaching prepares you for real-life situations. And studies from Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash truecrime. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash truecrime, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash truecrime. Rules and restrictions may apply. Today is February 13, 2018. Uh, we are currently at the Steuben County Sheriff's Office Conference Room. Uh, present is Terry Nyrider and also her attorney. Uh, the time now is 10.58 a.m. At what point did you get first approach you with this plan? Um, it was him and I. We were home. He was saying like that he was going to kill himself, but he brought up that he was that there was this other option kind of thing um, where he would, he wanted to kill my mom. This is the twisted and tragic tale of a father who methodically worked to alienate his three daughters from their mother. My first impression was that they were sort of like a very perfect ideal family and they were really good at putting up that front. But over time, I sort of, that perception sort of started to change. The plan was to make his daughters distrust, dislike, and hate their mother, and one day help kill her. She says her dad came to her. I can't afford to pay the bills. I can't afford to pay your mother. There's no way out. I have to kill myself. I'm sorry. You guys have to go on without me. Or I got plan B here. It was his middle daughter, Carrie, faced with a decision that no teenager should ever have to make. It's so, it's true. He made you choose? <laughs> Carrie's choice? I think you'll find it inconceivable. I'm Erin Moriarty, and this is my life of crime. Did you ever think this case would go the way it did? No. No one would have guessed the Nyrider case would end the way it did. Certainly not in the beginning, in 1989, when 16-year-old Lloyd Nyrider fell for Michelle Londy. They were going to the same high school, and she was graduating, and we told her she could invite friends, and uh, she invited Lloyd. Jeannie, Michelle's mom, remembers how quickly her daughter fell for Lloyd. 
How did she feel about him? Oh, she was falling in love. In 1991, Michelle and Lloyd got married, and then they headed off to college. After graduation, Michelle gave birth to three daughters. The family settled in the picturesque town of Corning, New York. Brooks Baker is the Steuben County District Attorney. It's the kind of place where a lot of folks still don't lock their doors. Michelle taught at a local college. She was an English professor when I met her, so she was big on reading and writing, and she would always really encourage her girls to be well-spoken and educated. That's Mina Raj. Mina was Carrie's best friend growing up and spent a lot of time with the family. She says Carrie's dad was funny and charismatic, but he made her feel a little uncomfortable. There were times when I'd call my mom and tell her that I was worried about how strict of a disciplinarian he was for really, really small things. It was sort of like you never knew when he would snap. And if he decided he was mad at one of them, he would call them over, yell front and center, have them drop to their knees in front of everyone. Cynthia is Mina's mom and saw much the same thing. The first time I witnessed that, Carrie was very close to me and I could see physically see her body shaking. I've seen him slap them. Slap? Across the On the face, face yeah. In 2017, Lloyd suddenly left Michelle. Susan Betchemer says Michelle never even saw it coming. I was Michelle's lawyer. Her husband had filed for divorce. Michelle was surprised that he filed for divorce. She was a stay-at-home mom. She had done everything she thought she could do to make him and the family happy. Carrie was actually at RIT. She was uh, set to graduate in another year. But distance didn't make Lloyd any easier to deal with. Lloyd was relentless in using the legal system to harass Michelle. It just never ended. There were 26 separate sets of filings post-divorce. And how unusual is that? That is super unusual. If you have two or three, it's a lot. To have 26 is astounding. And what was he suing for? What were these filings for? He, he continually filed things making false claims against Michelle. Uh, Lloyd was trying to get out of child support. On Monday, August 28, 2017, a family friend came to the house to pick up the youngest Nyrider child for swim practice and instantly realized that something was terribly wrong. I don't want to There's something strange happening at a, uh, at a friend's house. Corning Police Sergeant John McDivitt was the first to respond to the scene. All right, so tell me what you did. So I walked up to the front door here and through these three panes of glass, I could see inside, and I could see a female laying at the bottom of the stairs. Opened the door, a dog came running out, I came running in, and as I got closer, I could see there was a rope around her neck, there was no pulse, she was cold and stiff to the touch. 46-year-old Michelle Nyrider was dead. So your first thought when you saw her was what? Suicide by hanging. But Corning Police Chief Jeff Spaulding just wasn't so sure. No, I didn't, I didn't like that. That was unsettling. It appeared as though somebody had gone behind and thrown a rope over the neck and pulled back and down and caused that. Just as worrisome, the youngest Nyrider child wasn't anywhere to be seen. So where was she? Obviously, the number of possible 
outcomes there that are bad is, is tremendous. I said, if we checked basements, if we checked attics, if we checked garages. In the hours after police arrived at Michelle Nyrider's home, a frantic search was on. Lieutenant Jeff Heverly couldn't find the 14-year-old daughter. She should have been around. I knew that she resided with mom. Later that day, he got a phone call. This is Lieutenant Heverly. Can I help you? Hi, um, my name is Carrie. It was 19-year-old Carrie Nyrider calling from college. My friends called me earlier today and told me about my mom. Um, and that she, um, I'm sorry. That's okay. Carrie sounded genuinely shocked to hear that her mom had taken her own life. She also had news for Lieutenant Heverly. Her little sister, the 14-year-old who was missing, was actually with Carrie in Rochester, New York, nearly 100 miles away. As Carrie explained it, she had decided to drive home to Corning two days earlier to spend one last night in her own bedroom. But when she got there, Carrie says, her mom began yelling at her, accusing her of taking her dad's side in court battles. Carrie then decided to leave, taking her younger sister back to school with her. She claimed that she was concerned for her younger sister, so she had taken her outside, put her in the car, and then uh, had driven her to Rochester. Carrie's story didn't really make sense. Why would Michelle be upset that Saturday night? Earlier in the week, Lloyd's court claims had actually been thrown out of court, and Michelle's friend said that she sounded happier than she had in a long time. It just didn't make sense that she'd take her own life. She had a great job, and it was not the place in her life where she would have committed suicide after all of the really difficult years she had been through. Police waited for findings from the county coroner, but they were inconclusive. I thought we would get some, some definite results. They would say, oh yeah, 100%, this is a homicide, or yeah, 100%, this is a suicide. They tell us undecided, undetermined causation. I did not believe she killed herself. Lloyd, of course, the angry, litigious ex-husband, was an obvious suspect. But he had flown to California that weekend, and he was still there when Michelle's body was found on Monday. How long has he been in California? Um, since yesterday. Okay. Short trip, huh? Was he in Corning at all yesterday? No, he helped move me in to my apartment on Saturday. Okay. But he wasn't in Corning. Well... That was interesting. Carrie says that her dad had been with her over the weekend in Rochester. She says that her dad helped her move into her apartment on Saturday, stayed in a hotel there, and then flew to California on Sunday. When he got the news about Michelle, Lloyd flew back east and within 36 hours showed up at the Steuben County Family Court. He came to turn off his child support and maintenance payments. That's they, the first place he went when he had heard his ex-wife had committed suicide? That's correct. Police caught up with him outside the courthouse. Investigator Volney? Yep. Hey, how are you? Good. Just cautious about how I approach a car. I don't oh. want to startle anybody. No problems. And they sit down in the investigator's car and they right. do a videotaped interview and have a long conversation. Did Michelle know she's coming or? She did, yes. Okay. Lloyd appears very calm okay. and echoes the story that Carrie had told cops that on the day that Michelle likely died, which was probably Saturday, 
Lloyd had been miles away in Rochester with Carrie, helping her move into her college apartment. I go check in at the microtel. Cameras back him up. You could see Carrie walking in that evening, and then later, dark parking lot video shows Lloyd walking with Carrie back to her car. I, I walked her out to the car. Then when, when you go back to the hotel? Right. Yeah. I invited her to breakfast the next morning. And you also then checked his phone. Where was his phone during that uh, time? Checked his phone. It kind of corroborated what, uh, what Carrie had told us, that Dad stayed at the hotel. But when cops took a closer look at that video footage, they saw something else. After Lloyd walked Carrie to her car, he doesn't go back into the hotel. He's seen getting into the car with her and driving off. And nowhere on the hotel video is Lloyd seen coming back to the hotel that night. So where was he? His phone was in the hotel room all night, but he wasn't. Again, Police Chief Jeff Spaulding. We don't see Lloyd all night long. Here it is 6.30 in the morning, and here he comes onto the camera. He's walking across the parking lot, and he's walking to his, his vehicle. He still appears to be wearing the same clothes that he had on the night before. Lloyd's story was that he stayed at the hotel room all night. The video evidence is saying, no, he didn't. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Where did Lloyd go until 6.30 in the morning? Police were certain Lloyd was lying to them. And what they discovered next explained why. Over $100,000 in credit card debt, and he was paying his ex-wife almost $6,000 a month. District Attorney Brooks Baker wasn't surprised to learn that Lloyd tried to collect a $260,000 payout from Michelle's life insurance. Investigators now suspected that Lloyd did kill his ex-wife and that his own daughter, Carrie, was covering for him. So we decided to go up uh, on a wiretap on, on Lloyd's phone and Carrie's phone. I'm freaking out. Me too. Something was clearly up, but in phone calls, neither Lloyd nor Carrie said anything incriminating. So it had been, you know, two months, and there wasn't a lot that was being said. So in order to, uh, you know, kind of refresh things, we did what was called tickle the wire. Tickle the wire. You may have heard that expression. It's a ruse familiar to cops working drug cases. Investigator Bulby calls Carrie, saying he has more questions for her. This is a recording of that conversation. Hi, is this Carrie, narrator? Yes, this is she. Okay, this is Investigator Volpe with Corning PD. Um, but the reason I was calling, uh, well, I didn't know if you were going to be around, if uh, you had time to meet up with me or 
what time you yeah, might have to um, stop in to see me. I would be able to meet with you Monday if you're available. Okay. After hanging up, Carrie quickly called her father in a panic. Just like we hope, the next phone calls to Lloyd, saying, what, what do I do? What exactly did you tell him? I don't know. And Lloyd says, oh, it's probably just for, it's just form. Don't worry about it. But then he says, and this is where we sort of puts our doubts aside. He says, but I don't think I want you talking to him. Tell him I'm sorry. I got, I got a counseling appointment back in New Jersey tonight. And tell him this has been really hard on me. Yeah. <laughs> Could you cry? <laughs> I might. God, yeah. it would be nice if then it was just over. That would be the dream. Why lie? If exactly. Why not just go sit down with the investigator, spend 20 minutes, and, 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 and tell the same story you already have? Investigators believe that father and daughter know more than they're saying. But Michelle's death isn't officially even a homicide. The official autopsy is listed as undetermined. So D.A. Brooks asked a private forensic pathologist to take a new look. We take all the pictures from the autopsy, we take all the findings, the documentation, the evidence, and we go and sit down with him. There was no body to examine. Lloyd had Michelle's remains cremated, but the pathologist saw pictures of that rope mark on Michelle's chin and broken blood vessels in her eyes. And then he leaps through a few more things, kind of the way doctors do, and in silence, and, and says this is a homicide. The pathologist determined that Michelle Nyrider had been strangled to death. It was now time to confront Lloyd and his middle daughter, Carrie. I mean, at that point, you're thinking Lloyd's the ringleader. No, no question. Did you think that if, in fact, Carrie Nyrider was involved, she was going to be the weak link? I thought that she, she would be the weak link. You put her in her interview room without dad, without her cell phone, um, and you do a hard interview with her, I thought she would be the first to give. On January 24, 2018, five months after Michelle's death, two investigators showed up at Lloyd's office in New Jersey. At the same time, a pair of state police troopers find Carrie at her college internship in Syracuse, New York. Was this your Hail Mary pass? Was this it? Yeah, that's, uh, that's what we considered game day. Investigators break the news to Lloyd. And, and they say, Lloyd, look, we got to tell you something. The medical examiner has ruled this homicide. You? Were you down there that night? No, Rochester. And so that night, you were in your hotel room all night? Okay. And they suggested that, geez, Lloyd, maybe you want to take a, a lie detector test. And to my surprise, he's, he said sure. Lloyd, as usual, appeared unruffled. But 200 miles away in Syracuse, Carrie was falling apart. Carrie cracks. Carrie cracks, and she tells us, My dad came down with me Saturday night. And there it was, the truth. In barely a whisper on a police audio recording, Carrie says that on the night her dad said he was in a hotel in Rochester, the two of them had actually driven to Corning to her mother's house. And she helped her father get in that house undetected. You walk in the front door of the house. You, you tell me at this point. Mom, Where was mom? She was at the top of the stairs. So she saw my dad come in, and then they started arguing. So he went upstairs, and they were arguing in her, in her room. Carrie said that her mother suddenly stopped yelling, and it got very quiet. 
And then she tells investigators something no one expected to hear. She admits that she saw her mom dead. You saw your mom? Yeah, I know you did. We know you did. We know you did. Carrie says to investigators that she saw her mother's body and did nothing. It was one of those holy cow moments. Uh, it was like, wow. It's not often that investigators hear specifics like this of a cold-blooded murder, but they're about to hear even more shocking details. They took Carrie to a police station to get the entire story on video and heard her describe the first time that her father pitched his plan one week before the murder. She says her dad came to her and says, I can't afford to pay your mother. There's no way out. She says that's when her father gave her that unfathomable choice accept his suicide or help him kill her mother. And so basically he was gonna kill himself. Um, or there was this way to make it so he would kill himself, um, which was killing my mom. Carrie says the plan was to make her mom's death look like a suicide. I mean, I just don't want to tell her mom to be quiet. She says that at first, she stayed downstairs, watching over her 14-year-old sister, who still lived with her mom. And my dad went upstairs into my mom's room, and she was like, what are you doing? Wait, why are you here? And so she was yelling, and she was like, why, why? The commotion woke up her little sister, so Carrie got her out of the house. Yeah, she woke up, so I had to take her out of there. I was freaking out. I didn't know what's going on. I was like, oh my god. And I put her in my car. Carrie says that when it was all over, her dad sneaked out the back of the house and then climbed into the rear hatch of Carrie's car. Carrie insisted her little sister never knew her father was there. It's a shocking story. Lloyd Nyrider was arrested and charged with first-degree murder of Michelle. Carrie was charged with second-degree murder because D.A. Brooks believed she had been manipulated by her dad. Brooks will also need Carrie's help to put her dad away for life. She is looking at 15 years to life if she cooperates with the understanding that if she does not cooperate and is not truthful at trial, she'll face 25 years to life. Sound the gifting panic alarm. We've all been there. You need to find the perfect gift. You have absolutely zero ideas and you don't know where to start. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. Just answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Imagine pages of artisan espresso mugs for the coffee connoisseur in your life. Or for the pickleballer, customized paddle covers in every shade imaginable. Etsy's got you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. 
After a couple of weeks in a jail cell, Carrie agrees to testify against her dad and plead guilty. During an interview, she reveals more details and admits she was more involved in her mother's death than she had previously said. He opened the door and my mom was laying on the floor and um, he said he needed my help get lifting her. Carrie says she helped her father stage the crime scene in her own mom's murder. We dragged her around the corner and he tied the rope to the, to the one prong of the banister and lifted her up and put her, oh, threw her over the side. It's still so hard to understand. How could any child do this to her mother and then lie about it afterwards? Could her father really have manipulated her to commit such a cold-blooded act? I put those questions to the district attorney. And, and, and I had that same problem. And even as we were preparing for trial, I said, Carrie, you're going to be asked that question. There was a moment when you, your father says to you, it's either I have to kill mom or or I kill myself, and you have to help me, and those are the only two choices. And, and why? She's a smart girl. She could have said no. Well, and, and you know, all those folks in Jonestown could have said, we're not going to drink the Kool-Aid. You think she was brainwashed? I really think she was brainwashed. We, we found out uh, that there is a definition for what he was doing. And are you talking about parental alienation? Yes, I am. Parental alienation. It's when one parent considers consistently badmouthed the other parent in front of their children. And it's something Michelle actually worried about. In fact, in court documents filed in the years preceding her death, Michelle accused Lloyd of turning their daughters against her. I can understand how you could cause your children to dislike the other parent, but to kill that other parent? That seems well, like a step too far. I don't think it's causing dislike. That's not what this alienation is. It, it, it causes them to absolutely devalue them as people. The evidence against Lloyd was circumstantial. All the district attorney had was Carrie's word that he killed Michelle. And the jury might not believe her story. What he needed was physical evidence. And we took Michelle's clothes. We had them re-examined by the state police looking for touch DNA. Um, when we got done, what we found was Lloyd's DNA had had contact with Michelle's clothing, the um, pajamas she was wearing the night she was murdered. Brooks told Lloyd that his daughter had turned state's witness against him and gave him a final opportunity to come clean. We made to him an offer I sort of expected he would never, ever accept. Uh, he had to plead guilty as charged to first-degree murder. Uh, he would face a sentence of 25 years to life with the possibility the judge can sentence him to life without parole. And just two weeks before trial... So what did Lloyd decide to do? He decided to plead guilty. And that's what he did. Lloyd Nyrider told a court that he was the one who planned and carried out the homicide and that he manipulated Carrie into helping him out. So what should happen to him? I want him to have life in prison. Don't want him to ever get out and ever hurt my grandchildren again. He has an evil mind. Michelle's mom wanted her ex-son-in-law to get the max, and that's what happened. And what do you think about what happened today, the outcome? Oh, I'm, I'm so overjoyed, I'm so happy. It's life without parole. Okay, great. And... Michelle got justice. But there's still the matter of Carrie. 
What price should she pay for her part in her mother's death? She wasn't a child. She was 19, an adult. Although Carrie had initially pleaded guilty to second-degree murder, District Attorney Brooks allowed her to change that plea to a lesser charge, manslaughter. Her grandmother wrote to the judge asking for leniency. I always ask myself, what would Michelle want me to do? I do not believe my daughter, Michelle, would want a long prison sentence for her daughter. She would want her to eventually lead a happy life. Carrie was incarcerated but was released on parole earlier this year. We all make choices we regret. But why did Carrie make that choice to help her dad commit murder? It remains incomprehensible. I'm Erin Moriarty, 48 Hours, and that's my life of crime. A special thanks to the 48 Hours team, as well as my producers, Sam Egan, Alan Pang, and CBS Audio. Subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Twitter and Facebook at CBS Life of Crime. We'll see you next time. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Don't miss true crime anytime you want, anywhere you go with the 48 Hours Podcast. Real crimes. Like a John Grisham novel come to life. Real lives. He pointed a gun to me and said, this is the day you die. And he shot me. Real justice. There's some questions that have to be asked and need to be answered. I'm an innocent man and I hope the whole world can see it now. Catch the latest episodes of 48 Hours wherever you get your podcasts.